I could sense you have a Kim Kallstrom agenda. Let's not forget though, he did hit a penalty shot in the FA Cup final for us that year to help us win it. So uh, let's put some respect on his name. Let's not forget we signed him and he was injured. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the fourth best podcast, the first of 2018. Uh, Monty, how is your new year going so far? Uh, new year is going pretty well so far. Um, uh, it's it's only a few hours in, so I can't I can't complain at all. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, did you get into any? Did you do anything exciting last night or? Uh, no, nah, I just had a dinner. San Francisco was kind of chaotic, so kind of laid low a little bit. Got off work a little late, um, but yeah, kind of boring on my end. What about you? Uh, yeah, you know, with uh, I mean, the kids always keep things exciting, but the thing <laughs> is, when you have two young kids, you can't really go out and rage like you used to. So, uh, no, I stayed home. Uh, I watched after the Arsenal match on Sunday. I watched some NFL games. I'm a big Raider fan, mm -hmm. and uh, had some friends over, and so we got pretty excited. The, the Oakland Raiders ended up losing. Not that anybody on this podcast really cares, but they did fire their head coach, uh, which excited uh, me and all my buddies. And so then we proceeded to start drinking pretty heavily. Uh, it had to be about four in the afternoon California time. Nice. And I don't think we stopped until about one in the morning. So so you started drinking when wounded. You started drinking when it was probably New Year's out in London. Um, yeah, actually. So that's yeah. that's that's pretty good. And then also, it looks like one of your teams actually has the balls to fire their head coach, whereas another one doesn't. So that must be nice. Yeah, and, man, fired their head coach, like, basically as he's walking off the field. Like, how ruthless is that? Imagine, imagine if that happened with, uh, with Arsenal, like, after the Crystal Palace or West Bromwich game. He's just walking off the field, and then, I don't know, Kroenke comes over and was just like, hey, Wenger, we're done with you. Get, get out of here. Honestly, that would basically make half of Arsenal Twitter pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> as much as as much as we here on the fourth best, I'm going to speak in your behalf. But yeah. as much as we would like to see Winger go, I think I would like to see him get a little bit more of a dignified. Yeah, right. <laughs> after 21 years, that. they yeah, just hopefully they just let him beat Ferguson's record. <laughs> yeah, they'll just let yeah. him beat Ferguson's record, and they're like, "All right, dude, that was good. Get out of here now." Thanks <laughs> for the memories. Kick rocks. And then, they, and then they hire yes. Ferguson to coach two games just to pass Wenger. Oh, man. Oh. The drama. The drama we're creating here. That would actually infuriate me if that were to happen. It won't happen. but <laughs> It won't. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Uh, Arsene Wenger just recently passed Sir Alex Ferguson as the all-time uh, uh, career games managed in the Premier League. He, uh, he, in the past week, he did his 810th game and managed his 811th game. Games against Crystal Palace and West Bromwich, respectively. I guess we'll start off with... Uh, the most recent open wound, we'll start off with West Brom. Ugh. Mike Dean, once again, stealing points from Arsenal. I, I, I know we hate complaining about referees. This particular bad call seems more egregious than the usual. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that handball penalty given late in the game? Well, it seems like we have to worry anytime Mike Dean is in an Arsenal game that the game will be a very typical Arsenal game, um, you know, up 1-0 after so many minutes. And then for them to get a penalty off of a, ah, uh, man, it was, it was a very questionable call. Chambers' hand was, it was a little away from his body, but his hand was already away from his body. And it seemed like he was trying to put it back or get it out of the way. And when the ball deflected off of his hand, and that's what created the, 
the call in Mike Dean's eyes. Not but to hey, mention, sorry to interrupt, but not to mention that there was about 12 inches of space in between yeah. Gibbs and Chambers at that point. So, I mean, it's, to say something was deliberate or his hand was in a, in a natural position, I mean, like, I mean, everything happens in a split second. I don't think and with, that, exactly. with that amount of space, I don't think Chambers could have done anything either intent or without intent. Exactly. No, and it's something that... Again, we can go on, you know, blaming the refs about calls, and and it's been in our favor a few times. It's been against us a few times, um, but hey, it, West Bromwich is a team that's struggling, and we struggle against them. We've kind of played at their level. So, as much as we want to complain about the Chambers' uh, non-existent penalty, um, it's also kind of our fault that we ended one to one against a very poor team like West Bromwich. Yeah, no, for sure. That I don't. We don't want to. Uh... I guess, give excuses for Arsenal's poor performance. They definitely played horribly. Before we move on to that, I just want to shout out uh, a guy on Twitter who put together a pretty awesome thread of all the uh, bad and um, pretty questionable calls against Arsenal. He's uh, at Mr. Arsenal 93 He's doing a continuous thread on the bad calls as they happen, so he's been updating the thread every week. The, the list is pretty long, we'll say, and even if you think that one, two, three, or four of them were, you know... That's just the way the ball bounces sometimes. There are so many bad calls against Arsenal. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if there's like, if Arsenal is specifically getting screwed by the refs, are the quality of the refs in the Premier League that bad? I'll leave that up for uh, our listeners and Twitter to make the judgments for themselves. But it's a pretty awesome thread. At Mr. Arsenal 93. Uh, check it out. He put a lot of work into it and he's continuing to update it. So if you want to uh, take a look at it now or take a look at it the next time a bad call is made, could be as soon as Wednesday against Chelsea. Uh, check him out. Uh, but yes, uh, like you said, let's not excuse the fact that Arsenal played horribly. Uh, that first half was painful to watch. The the the, the build up and the attack just were. I mean, it was like it was kind of like watching pickup ball. Like it just seemed like these guys had never played with each other before. Nobody was on the same page. Um, there was no no creativity. No like. No movement. It was just a really stagnant first half. It was unbearable. I, I don't know. Like the the. I know that there's a lot of games in a short amount of time, um, and I know also Wobi played really poorly. And and when you're part of a front three, then you know he's actually a pretty important part of the attack. And so when one guy has a game as bad as a Wobi did, um, does that is that just? I mean, it's hard to have like a really great attacking game when one of when one third of your attack is just having the worst game of his life. I don't know what was going on, but it was it was hard to watch. And I mean, based on that first half, I would think Arsenal were uh, would be lucky to get a draw in that game. And it just kind of brought me to it. Just made me remember some of the frustrations of Arsenal constantly playing down to the level of their opponents, and you know, just playing an ugly game and not dominating a team that they really should have dominated. Uh, what were your thoughts on that first half of? like pretty ugly boring football well this the first half reminded me a lot of the uh first half uh the the last time we played against West Brom which uh, a few few months ago and I think we came out one to zero in the first half and the game finished one to zero and I, I actually tweeted out that from the from now on whenever these two teams play each other I'm just gonna not even watch the game <laughs> because it seems as if West Bromwich still have their, although Tony Poulos isn't their uh, their coach anymore, it still seems like uh, they still have that dirty style of play, which is kind of a very desperate style of play. Um, and at the same time, it, it came successful for them because that's Arsenal's problem is that they don't even know how to get through some tight spaces. 
there was actually, if you look back at the highlights, a couple of the big highlights for Shastrom Iwobi from outside the box. But I completely agree with you. Um, Ozil had an injury, so he wasn't playing. So Iwobi's thrown into a lineup, and it's just it was just ugly. Um, we have a very hard time finishing any of our plays. Um, Lacazette seemed lost sometimes. Alexis Sanchez did play better, uh, definitely, which was nice to see. Um, his, you know, it seemed like he had his interest in uh, in the team again, at least for for this game. But you're right; it, it seems like not only our defense is lost um, because there are sometimes where they have miscommunications. It also seems like our offense, uh, you know, do two or three nice passes and then it just trickles into nothing. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. It was a uh, rough, hard to watch. And yes, Alexis, it was nice to see him kind of kind of be switched on and playing at his you know, his better style of football. Uh, and he really nearly uh, rescued a win for Arsenal. Normally when we say that, it's usually some moment of brilliance from Alexis Sanchez. I don't think that we can call that free kick uh, a brilliantly taken free kick. But the result was a goal. And uh, we, I mean, we deserve to get the three points just based on that. Oh, uh, you're right. It was very, very ugly. Uh Technically, it was an own goal from James McLean. Um, it was uh, off of him. But, um, I mean, he got it in. Uh, there was uh, no celebration gate this time. Everyone celebrated. And I think it was kind of funny because uh, it was probably the players reacting to all the uh, all the drama about celebrations and stuff from the Crystal Palace game. Um, but, no, I mean, that, that goal came in the 83rd minute. And I thought it was another time where Arsenal, like you said, playing at the level of the other team and just squeaking out a goal at the end of the game. Um, and all we had to do was defend. And when you have defenders that you can rely on, you think that you know it should be pretty easy. Or when you have a ref that's fair, uh, going back to that whole incident with Chambers, you think, you think we can do it. But of course, in this situation, didn't prove right. And we ended up tying one-to-one. Yeah, so two points drop for Arsenal. Uh, we don't move up in the table. Um, but but speaking of uh, the reference you made to Celebration Gate, um, that's in reference to the Crystal Palace game, where Alexis Sanchez played brilliantly, uh, scored two goals. He was vintage Alexis. That version of Alexis Sanchez, that's the version that I'm going to sorely miss. Not not the version that's came out uh, most of the time this year, but but that version of Alexis Sanchez, he was he was brilliant. Uh, had his best game of the season, scored two goals, um, and the, you know. The celebration gate, I guess, as the story goes, uh, half of the squad, half of the starting eleven, didn't celebrate with him for the first goal, and and then everybody except Koscielny basically celebrated with him for the second goal, um, and you know I guess that's in reference to a story put out by the Guardian that uh, there was a rift in the locker room and like some of the players, uh, most notably Koscielny, had talked to Alexis Sanchez uh, about his demeanor on the field and constantly waving his hands and yelling at other players. Um, I'm just going to go on a little mini rant real quick about that and about the reaction to that article on Twitter. Uh, I I think uh, I read the article. I read the article several times and broke down the words that were used and and the way the article was written. And I don't think the article is, should be dismissed as false because what the article is claiming is that, uh, that Koscielny and, some of the players talked to Alexis Sanchez and basically told him to, you know, I mean, fix his attitude basically. Now, is that so out of the realm of possibility that that could have happened? No, I think that that's absolutely in the realm of possibility of things that could happen. And 
based on the way he has played this season and last, I, I would expect something like this to happen. Um, I think everybody kind of jumped on it because nobody likes to see your team or your star player get attacked. The, the, the article didn't draw the line of like, this is why Alexis Sanchez is playing poorly this year. They didn't draw the line of this is why he wants to leave. This is why Arsenal's in sixth place. I think the people that read the article, us, you, uh, our listeners, I think those people read the article and they draw their own conclusions. And, and then they, they, they decide to say the article is trash because uh, they believe that that's the line that the author was drawing when it's really up to the reader to draw that line. And, and so uh, I think the facts of the article are actually true. I read it, and before I saw the Twitter reaction to it, I immediately dismissed it as like, yeah, that's cool that they got into a little argument. That doesn't explain anything as to like why we've performed the way we've performed this year. And so mentally, I just disregarded it as like, yeah, cool, I guess. But, you know, in the end, that article doesn't really mean anything. Uh, I think people on Twitter obviously uh, had much more, you know, stronger reactions to it. And I think it, it, it's from their own, you know, misplaced perceptions of what the author is trying to say uh, about the, you know. So that's, that's just my take on it. I actually believe the facts of it. I'm sure Kashani did go up and speak to him. And, but whatever. Like, we've, I've worked with people I don't get along with. I've played sports with people I don't get along with. It hasn't affected, to my, in my experiences, it hasn't affected my work or my play. And so uh, I think these guys on the highest level of uh, professional football I would expect the same from them. I don't think something like one player getting not getting along with another player is really going to drastically alter the course of a season. But uh, that's my little rant rant over. Uh, well, let's get back to talking about... If oh, I can just add one thing to what you just said, and it's it's not a long rant, I promise, but uh, you said the Crystal Palace game, that was the Alexis Sanchez that um, you know we, we, we want to see and we'd miss. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. And... I mean, the Alexis Sanchez that yells at his teammates and everything, that's the one that I won't miss. So if he does leave, which is probably going to happen, I am happy that we don't have to see that little guy yelling at his teammates and making making the uh, you know fans wondering, why is this guy yelling at his own teammates? That doesn't create real team chemistry. Um, and honestly, that's something that if uh, Guardiola wants to deal with at City... By all means, go for it. Um, but yeah, uh, again, it's like a tale of two two players with with Alexis Sanchez. Uh, when he's on it, it's great. It's he's amazing. Uh, but when he's off and frustrated, it gets very very annoying. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, for sure. Uh, I think that's the one quality of Alexis Sanchez. I understand he's passionate. I love that passion about him. Yeah. Uh, I just wish he would direct it in uh, towards beating the other team. Uh, but you did bring up a good point about uh, Pep Guardiola and Man City. They've uh, over the weekend they had a couple injuries, a couple significant injuries to key players, and that might cause them to maybe re-examine if they want to try to go after Alexis Sanchez a little bit more in this January transfer window. Uh, I'm talking about Kevin De Bruyne and Gabriel Jesus. Um, two injuries. One is uh, serious in the sense where the player is going to miss one to two months. That's what's been quoted. When Arsenal quote that thing, I would assume that he's missing three months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it seems like De Bruyne is okay. What did what do you make of the situation, and do you think Alexis Sanchez could be on his way out in January? Um, I, obviously, we're in a moment where you really can't take what the uh, people in the press or the people involved, you really can't take it seriously uh, because Pep Guardiola already said that he doesn't see Alexis Sanchez leaving in January, that uh, he's... Um, he's probably going to be an Arsenal player until the end of the season. And obviously, 
you know, we've had that in the past. We've actually had Wenger say that about a few of our players in the past, and then a few weeks later, the players leave. Um, but, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it obviously makes it for a very interesting month. Uh, Manchester City, they're, they're 14 points uh, at the moment ahead of second place, Chelsea. And, you know, they obviously want to retain that. Losing Gabriel Jesus and De Bruyne are two massive losses, especially Gabriel Jesus for, for two months, one or two months. Um, that's going to be detrimental. So they're obviously, I think they're going to try to, you know, fill those holes. And, hey, they have the money to, to, to throw. I wouldn't be surprised if they try. If some phone call, you know, to Pep Guardiola from Wenger or vice versa, talking, negotiating, saying, hey, you know, what's his availability? And, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some kind of talk happens. Now, if February 1st comes and Alexis is still with us, I also wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing everybody fears is that we would sell him in January and not get a good enough replacement for him and so I think that would be my only reservation I you know the money isn't mine so I could care less about like oh we can get 20 million pounds for him or 25 or whatever we think we can get in January for a player at the end of his contract mm -hmm. my whole thing is like like we can get 100 million pounds like if we don't reinvest it into the team does it even really matter what we get from uh and so if because uh, it, it's I guess it's hard to believe that that he would leave and that Arsenal would sign an impact player not they're not going to sign somebody at the level of Alexis Sanchez but I, I just find it hard to believe that we would actually sign a player that can just slot right into our starting 11 and yeah. contribute at a high level and so since I can't believe that would happen it makes it hard to hope Alexis Sanchez leaves in January uh so well for what I it's mean worth. I th we kind of talked about it earlier before the show um Manchester City them being so good this year has kind of created a stir with the rest of the teams. Um, we talked about it. I mean, when you look at the table right now, Arsenal is only seven points behind Chelsea in second place. Um, now they're like more than 20 points behind Manchester City. But Manchester City being so good and now them losing these two players and they're going to want to continue being good. There's all this speculation that's going to be added on. We already know Alexis Sanchez um, has an interest. Uh, to go to City, or there's a, at least some kind of interest to be with Guardiola again, like he was in Barcelona. And I feel like because of all this, um, at least maybe us on Twitter or the media on Twitter and wherever, it, it just becomes this whole speculation, this whole heated debate about uh, who's going who, who's committed to what. Um, and let's not you know, get confused about this, that I'm sure players see this stuff too. We know Alexis Sanchez is pretty pretty popular on social media and i'm sure he sees this stuff too um and i wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the reasons why there are times where he's just not in it all the way because he sees arsenal fans on twitter you know talking about him leaving and getting getting rid getting rid of and all that stuff but um no i feel like manchester city losing these two players and wanting to be continue being successful i mean hey they haven't even lost a game yet so they're as much as Guardiola says that they're not going to be the new Invincibles, that's obviously something on his mind. Um, so, I, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens when there's at least some kind of communication, some kind of agreement. Uh, but at the same time, I guess I'm 50-50. If, if uh, February comes and Alexis is still playing with us, I, I also wouldn't be too su surprised. Yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with that. I'd say it's 50-50 also, which, is, I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty high. There's a 50% chance that he could leave in the next month. So um, I guess there's that. Uh, I, for one, I think you're the same way. I think I'm just going to enjoy 
how much longer we have Alexis Sanchez. He's a brilliant player when he's really playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, one of the most fun players to watch in the world. And if we only have him for five more games, one more game, or if we have him for the next five, six months, uh, I think I'm just going to enjoy whatever time we have left with him. And hope, hopefully if he stays with us, then we can help us get back into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as other uh, transfer speculation, there's a lot of uh, rumors going around, and I do say rumors, that um, Walcott might be on his way to Southampton with Southampton having uh, a bunch of money probably burning a hole in their pocket. Um, what, do you, uh, what do you think of that, Walcott? Do you think that it could happen? And, and if so, uh, how would you feel about Walcott? Uh, that's, that's a tough one because Walcott is maybe a lack of a better word, uh, a, a worse version of Alexis Sanchez. Um, in the, you know, Walcott, he's a good player, but when he's, when he's been on it, he's been great. Uh, but he's been very inconsistent in his Arsenal career. He's also had injury issues. Um, I feel like there's obviously a lot of things going on behind door, uh, closed doors that us fans don't know about. But if it, 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 it does kind of connect to what's going on with Alexis Sanchez. Because if Alexis does leave... Or if there's some kind of talks and some agreement already done in the next month that he's going to leave in the summer, I feel like Wenger might try to retain Walcott because we do need that depth. Um, Walcott is a player, though, that I'm probably a little more sure that he would be leaving. Uh, I'm probably more like 70-30 that he would leave. Um, I, I know, again, we have issues with... Uh, we have a lot of games coming up. We have the Europa League starting up again in February. Um, and more and more, that seems like a priority for us to get back into the Champions League because it's going to be really hard to get back into the top four. Um, so you want to have a squad that's deep enough. Um, but again, Southampton was a team that he came from, and uh, that's his boyhood club. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants more minutes. Let's not forget, it's also World Cup year. Uh, and a lot of these players want more time. I mean, Giroud's another guy that has had a lot of rumors thrown if he's going to leave or not. Um, so again, I wouldn't be surprised. Walcott is right in our bench. Um, he isn't in, in contention a lot unless there is some kind of injury that happens with our fo- forward line. But at the same time, I'm a little more uh, open to the possibility that he will not be an Arsenal player by February. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think the one thing that kind of complicates things is uh, I think Walcott would prefer a loan move and then would love to find a permanent home in the summer. Um, but yeah, I think uh, number one on his list is getting regular playing time. He's, uh, I believe, he's around 28, 29 years old. So this is probably going to be his uh, last real chance of making a World Cup roster. And if you're Southampton, you've got a lot of money. You just sold your best defender for 75 million pounds, and you're sitting just outside of the relegation zone. I believe they're only two points clear of the relegation zone, and West Ham, who's uh, They've got a game in hand. So um, I think uh, if you're a Southampton, I think you need to strengthen your squad this window um, to get yourself out of that relegation conversation. And Walcott, I think, could really help them. I think he's a player that's uh, he's still pretty good. He still has a lot to offer. He's not, unfortunately, he's not you know, good enough for Arsenal. Um, and so you know, I, I wouldn't have any hard feelings or feel any kind of way if he were to leave uh, to get himself some playing time. I think any player would want that. And if it helps us to move some cash off of our books to help us to go after a guy like 
Marez or Draxer or whoever, uh, then sure, let's move him. Um, but yeah, moving on to those uh, Marez and Draxer, that, that's a little bit more on the fringe of things that could happen. Uh, do you see either of those guys being a better possibility, or is there a player that you would prefer out of those two? Uh, well, it's funny because as soon as I woke up today, being the first day of the transfer window, it seemed like Twitter was all about hashtag announce Mars. Um, I guess Mars had a good game for Leicester City as well. Um, so all this uh, buzz around him. Um, I mean, between Mars and, and Draxler, I'm obviously I'm more of a fan of signing a player that has already had experience in the Premier League. Mares has obviously had the experience. He's already won with um, with Leicester City. Um, which is still insane to say that Leicester City won the, won the Premier League. But uh, he has the experience, and I feel like with his style of play, it would fit. He Say he comes in as a, as a replacement to Alexis Sanchez, it would be favorable, because one thing that I've noticed at least was in the past few games, when Ozil and Alexis Sanchez play together, they're both superstars, and they both have very different ways of playing. And it seems like when one's on, the other one's off. And... It's something that I think with Mares, who I feel like plays a little more like Ozil, he isn't as um, go, go, go as Alexis Sanchez is. He's a little more hold the ball a little bit, look for openings. I feel like with Mares, he can compliment Alexis, or he can compliment uh, Mesut Ozil. Um, so I would actually be a fantasy Ozil. Draxler, on the other hand, is a player that, oh man, like he, he's, he had a good uh, uh, Confederations Cup, uh, but that was Germany's B team. He hasn't had a lot of minutes with PSG. He's, I mean, there's so many stars in that team that it's insane to think of him being a bench player. Um, he is a, a, young, a young option, though. I'm sure if he comes over to Arsenal, uh, he will find a, a nice, nice uh, position for him. Maybe he can be a good option for Alexis Sanchez. But again, between the two, again, I know there are rumors, but I feel the more realistic player to get out of those two is Mares. Uh, over the summer, he was closer to coming to Arsenal. Um, to the point that it seemed like it was bound to happen. Uh, nobody really knows how close it was, uh, really, though. Uh, but again, out of the two, I would like to see Mares come uh, over Draxler. Yeah, I probably agree with you. And, and yeah, I agree with your assessment that Mares is a guy that's played in the Premier League, understands the Premier League. Uh, and so I think if we're looking for better immediate impact, uh, especially in a January transfer window, then... Um, yeah, let's uh, let's go for Mares. Now, the thing with Draxler is he's younger. I think he probably has a higher ceiling. Uh, and I think the thing that makes him intriguing is I feel like him coming would be part of some sort of Alexis to PSG swap. And I would love to see Sanchez leave the Premier League. That would be like, I mean, that would be awesome because then I wouldn't have to deal with him playing for Man City next year. So maybe the Draxler move is a move that is more beneficial next year, you know, with Draxler being a young player, um, uh, you know, on the on his way up in his career, and probably getting him would mean Alexis Sanchez goes to PSG, which also helps us and would help us next year. Uh, so I guess there's that appeal. There's also the appeal of like, um, if you're Draxler and if Arsenal were to get him in uh, January for whatever he's going to get, and then if he goes off and has an awesome World Cup year a World Cup tournament, I, I mean, it could be a thing where, like, Arsenal might not be able to afford him if he goes off and has, like, a great World Cup tournament. Like, we see that sort of thing happen all the time. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the sort of thing where it's like, if you get him in January, then maybe you can get him at a cheaper rate. Uh, but he is 
uh, way less proven in, in the Premier League for sure than Mares, who's already done it in the Premier League. He's uh, yeah, his I believe his his style would complement Ozil really well. And yeah, and I think I think uh, Arsene Wenger is I guess at least kind of interested in both those guys. But, but both those moves, though, I believe those are the moves that are like less than a 25% chance of happening. If I had to put a percentage on it. Well, I mean, there was that there was that quote. Oh man, we had a there was a quote from uh, Wenger. I think it was on the Telegraph back in September, where he was actually talking down on the January transfer window, and yeah, it kind of yeah. just proved. And we talked about it in our, in our last podcast as well that Wenger was never known, at least in the last few years, to get some real big stars. Most of the times that we tried to fill, um, most of the times that players were bought in January were to fill holes in injuries or the, once in a while the African Cup of Nations would happen and we would lose Adebayor, so we needed to get a, you know, a, another forward. Um, but again, uh, I think the last time that we got a real big star in January was Andre Arshavin, uh, and that didn't pan out very well for us. Um, but hey, I mean, if Draxler were to come, I, I know he's riding the bench for PSG. It's uh, like you said, I mean, it's a World Cup year. He wants to prove himself. I'm sure he'll find a starting role with Arsenal if he were to come. Um, so it would be interesting, but I do agree with you. I feel like the percentage is very low that anybody big will be coming. Uh, who knows who the next Kim Kallstrom is that Wenger has his eye on, some random midfielder playing out in Russia or something that was really, really good five years ago. Maybe that's who we'll be looking at uh, in an Arsenal jersey come the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I can sense you have a Kim Kallstrom agenda. Let's not forget, though, he did hit a penalty shot in the FA Cup final for us that year to help us win it. So uh, let's put some respect let's, let's on not forget. Let's not forget we signed him and he was injured. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, enough of the transfer window shenanigans. Uh, it's, uh, we'll keep an eye on it, and obviously if anything major happens, or we'll, we'll address that or we'll address the rumors week to week. Uh, I'm sure there'll be new yeah. ones uh, next week. Um, but... We got a big week. We got Chelsea in a couple days here. Um, and it's, I mean, we're really, because we dropped points against West Brom, we're really going to need to get, I mean, at least a draw. I really think we need a win against Chelsea to kind of keep pace with uh, the rest of the top, I guess, four. So mm-hmm. uh, that'll be fun to watch. Um, oh, you know, actually, before we sign off, we have uh, one funny tweet, at least, from a. Uh, because uh, uh, we we oh, know two. we know what's going on in the Chelsea match, uh, you know I might I'm not going to predict lineups. I'm not going to predict score lines. I think I've already been proven <laughs> foolish in that. But I think there's one thing we can count on. And that's Lacazette getting subbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, there's actually the funny tweet from uh, Mike Sands, and it's uh, at Mike Sands 19, and he had a tweet saying, "I'd love Lacazette to do this next time Wenger subs him in the 70th minute." And the picture is that famous picture of uh, Mario Balotelli playing for City. Uh, when he scored a goal, he had a shirt saying "Why always me?" because he was always in these controversies. But it would be hilarious if Lacazette gets subbed off and takes his jersey off and has that same shirt. That would be the best. Why always him getting subbed off in the 70th minute? I guess we'll have to wait for Arsene Wenger to write his tell-all autobiography to find out. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also another one with like a, I guess like a, a wardrobe not malfunction for that situation. But there was another funny tweet with uh, from. Turge at Arsenal Turge I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong but it's uh it was during the Crystal Palace game it was less than 30 seconds in don't think we didn't notice and it was Arsene Wenger having issues with his zipper again which I guess that's the one thing that we can be consistently proven that Wenger will do will make us laugh with him struggling with his zipper 
Yeah, it is that time of year. Uh, it's cold outside, so that means one thing. Arsene Wenger having troubles with his zippers. Um, but why doesn't he just go with buttons? Like, Puma. Like, well, that was, that's, that's what we talked about before. We, 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 that's a good idea. We did do a poll, and I think most people said that we should figure out a way for Wenger to get a button-up jacket. Right. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll have to start like some sort of a Kickstarter campaign to invent a jacket <laughs> with buttons that has an Arsenal logo on it. Ridiculous. Let's, yeah, let's see if Puma can figure something out. <laughs> All right. Well, we know we, we know of two things that are for sure going to happen against Chelsea. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to come out on top of that game, though. We'll have to watch it and see, uh, and we'll keep an eye on that. We'll be back with a podcast following that game with probably more transfer shenanigans. Who knows? Uh, but that'll wrap it up for us today. Our first podcast of 2018. For Monty, this is Steve. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace.